Good morning. It's awesome to be with you. I'm from uh, Ironworks Church, one of the uh, churches in the network. Um, there's uh, GVF, there's Ironworks, and there's Calvary Bible, and I think others are joining. So I was just at Calvary Bible. Um, uh, great people, and you all are great people. I know some of you from way back, like Bob DeRicco was one of my youth leaders, and uh, so he's um, an awesome guy, and, and I know some others in town, but um, it's great to be with you, and uh, I want to introduce myself a little bit more, uh, but um, God gave me a great illustration of really what I'm here to do as I was back there, um, and as I was up, up, up top up there. When you're up top, the sound is mixed so well, it's perfect. The drums are, are mixed uh, perfectly. And if I can play with as much energy as Greg does, uh, if, I can, if I can give a, a message with that much energy, we're going to be fine. Um, but if you're backstage, that's all you hear is the drums, and you can hear nothing else, uh, and it's wild. So my prayer is that um, even though I'm banging my heart out here, you know, that there would be this kind of, you know, shield in front of me. It would be Jesus, that he would be the focus uh, of this time, and that you wouldn't see me, but you would see him. Because uh, my intro is that I'm, I'm a no one. I'm, I'm nobody important, uh, but he is. Uh, he's everything. I am nothing. He's big and I'm small. And I, I hope today that your eyes and ears uh, can experience him this morning. So, uh, but I, you know, my, I'll give you a disclaimer too. Uh, my wife says that I would not make a great pastor because I have the spiritual gift of exhortation. If you don't know what that is, it's like, you, you're able to find the buttons on people that you push it and it aggravates them. Uh, it makes people laugh, but it also, if you're there too much, it really annoys them. So uh, that's my spiritual gift in the body of Christ. And, um, but that's why I, I go church to church. I church hop and I share about, uh, about hope because that way, you know, I, you don't get, you know, bored of me or, or, or irritated by me. Uh, so I'm also a hope dealer. I hope you're a, a hope dealer. And uh, I'll get into what that is later. Uh, and I'm hoping that it's okay to make jokes here. Is it, is it okay to make jokes? All right, because when Paul to, to Ironworks, uh, I was sitting in the back, and I didn't even know who Paul was at the time, and he started, he did his message, and we got to the part where he said something about uh, watching NASCAR and eating Cheetos. I don't know if he's done that bit with you, but I was in tears, and my buddy next to me, we were just laughing so hard. I had to leave the service uh, because I was just, I couldn't contain myself. Still to this day, my buddy and I text each other in church. We're like, NASCAR, Cheetos, Cheetos. But uh, <laughs> Paul's a funny guy if you get him going. So yeah, I like to make jokes. Um, what, you know, Paul asked me up here, um, and you know, I said to myself, you know, why is Paul traveling so much? And I asked Paul, why are you traveling so much? And he said, well, Rob, there's, there's three levels of pastors. There's small town pastor, right? Then there's hipster pastor, hip pastor. And uh, then there is, then there is Mazel Tov pastor. If you've been to the Holy Land, if you have, if you have seen Jerusalem with your eyes, then you are next level pastor. And I was like, well... I guess I'll go, I'm on level one to work my way up. But then he's traveling to England. I'm like, Paul, why are you traveling to England? And he said, well, you know, if you have an English accent, it's amazing. People just listen to you. And I'm just going to work on that. We're going to read the scripture and, and with this, this accent, people are going to love it. Speaking of that, we're going to try it right now. I'm going to read the word of God. <laughs> Already we're engaged. This is fantastic. Okay, let's go. We're going to read from Luke chapter... You thought I was joking. No, I'm serious. I'm def, no, I'm just kidding. All right. 
We're going to read from Luke chapter 14. It's the uh, parable of the, of the great banquet. And to give it context, though, we kind of need to back up to the beginning of chapter 14. So we're going to read the real party before we get to the heavenly party. It's like the, of what's to come, and it's a, it's a glimpse of, of that right now as they're having dinner. So uh, if you can like, be a fly on the wall of this dinner party, um, you're going to get some, some great insights here. Okay, so Luke chapter 14, verse 1 through uh, 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to the better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so, <clears throat> and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So I've titled this sermon, Jesus Knows How to Party. And uh, this is a 101 glimpse of this party. So you might think, okay, that was a lot to take in. I had to read this passage maybe, you know, 15 times to really get a, a idea of what was really happening. So I I looked on YouTube to find like a similar situation of what that was like, and this is is what I came up with. (laughs) They call me the backpack preacher, and I will do the floss for you right now. Some of you are thinking he can't do it. There's no way. But I learned last week, I hang out with middle school students who are awesome, and uh, they are still doing the floss. Yeah, no one's doing the Macarena, right? I mean, that's, that's done. But I, get, I became very curious. I'm like, is anyone doing the electric slide? Is that still, is that like a thing anymore? Or are we past that? And uh, so they didn't really know what the Macarena was, a new electric slide, uh, but the floss. You know, in my day, though, the really cool thing, and I still do this, I just was dancing with my daughter at home this morning. We were listening to uh, a soundtrack, but uh, I don't know if I can get into the, to the running man motion. You know, have you ever, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Can you feel it? Um, but the floss is so difficult, and I just, I mean, you're just swinging your arms, you feel like they're just going to fly off, and then you just kind of, I don't know what you're doing, and then you do a hip thing, and I can't do the hip thing. (laughs) I'm sorry. Paul, (laughs) I'll work on it, I promise. Um, You're like, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus? (laughs) Trust me. Okay. So, back to the, back to the banquet, uh, that this that they're having here. Okay, let's let me unpack it for you. Not to make any backpack jokes, but I'm going to pack this for you. Okay, where is Jesus? He's at a Pharisee's house. Okay, who is he with? He is with important people 
who are trying to establish order of importance. Why is he there? Because he was invited. What is he doing at this party? Is he partying? He is starting trouble. He's crashing the party. It's not that he wasn't invited, but he's totally changed the agenda of the party. This is what he's doing. He's, he's healing on the Sabbath, making others look selfish for not being willing to do the same. He's humiliating guests who are trying to look important, and he's scolding the host for inviting the wrong people to the party, these people. So these people are, you know, insult, he's insulting the guests as basically sycophants. I learned that from Batman. That's a great word. It's uh, synonyms for sycophant is a person who acts obsequiously uh, towards someone important in order to gain advantage. So uh, synonyms would include a yes man, a bootlicker, a brown noser, uh, a toady. I don't know what that is. Uh, a lick spittle, a flatterer, a flunky, a, a, <laughs> a spaniel, a doormat, uh, stooge, crin- cringer, and a suck up. So basically, Jesus just brought the party down low. I mean, he really wrecked it. Because he parties in a different way than we do, right? Let's walk through it just kind of verse by verse. The first thing it says here, uh, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. That really simple statement right there, God, I wouldn't say he haunted me on that for a few days, but the Holy Spirit just kept on This is a word for Grace Valley Fellowship. This is a word for GVF that you need to hear about watching Jesus carefully. Are you watching Jesus carefully? We watch a lot of things very carefully. So some of us watch our weight. Some of us watch our money. Some of us are about to get excited uh, for fantasy football this season coming up, and you will watch your players because you want to win. We watch what we eat. We watch uh, the miles that we run or the miles that we bike. We watch for the sales and the deals. I used to be in retail. Man, people would be at the front door once they knew that the deal was happening. We watch for uh, Facebook likes. You know, you just post something, immediately you want to know, did anybody, anybody like that? Anybody here? And we watch for our Netflix show. We binge it. We watch it. And... We watch a baby. Have you ever seen a mother look at a baby? She just watches it like it's going to do something new any moment. She's totally enamored, and the baby and the mother are bonding. But that's a good kind of watching. That's the kind of watching that we should do with Jesus. But that's not what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were watching him because they were threatened by him, and they wanted to make sure that they could catch him in a lie or catch him in something so that they could you know, have reason to kill him. But they weren't the only ones um, who were watching Jesus. His disciples were watching him. In in, In 1 John 1, John was a disciple of Jesus. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy full, complete. So they were watching Jesus. And are you watching Jesus carefully? Is Jesus not fascinating enough for us? 
Here's the challenge. The Bible, and I'm saying this on tape, the Bible is the most boring book in the world unless you do what it says. Then this Bible will become your favorite book, guaranteed. Then Jesus becomes fascinating when you start to watch him carefully and follow him. Then Jesus is uh, advocating breaking the Sabbath. And so I want to, this morning, encourage you to break the Sabbath. And this is a revelation for me. For the first time reading it, uh, I was like, wow, that's there. I never saw it. I always thought the Sabbath was about me, about me resting, about going home and watching football, or however you rest, mowing the lawn. For some people, that's rest. Whatever it is, it's about my rest. And Jesus is pointing out the other part, if you read the Old Testament, the other part of the Sabbath is your oxen, uh, your animals should rest, and so should your maidservants and your um, and men servants, whoever, they should rest as well. But here at this party is this random stranger guy, and he has this swelling on his body. He's dropsy, or, or we don't know what exactly looked like necessarily, but he has this, and Jesus wants to heal him, but he knows everyone's like, whoa, it's the Sabbath, don't do it, man. But he remembers what the Sabbath is all about. It's helping other people rest. He, helped, he healed this guy, and he helped him rest. He said, go. So the, the servant, or whoever it was, was allowed to leave the party and, uh, and was, was made well. So the question to you is, don't think about Sabbath for yourself. How are you helping someone else rest? That's the question. Break the Sabbath. Help someone else rest. The other thing Jesus points out is, he asks the question, are you important? I am 40, almost 45 years old. I've been trying to be important my whole life. I have this Messiah complex. I thought, you know, I was God's gift to the world. I thought that I was important. Everything I do should be important, and everyone should know about it. And I should have all the likes in the world on Facebook. I am important. Notice me. Finally, I get to my 40s, and I just get comfortable and at peace with God that He is important, and I don't need to be. Um, I make stuff, I create stuff, and I, I want everyone to notice, you know, notice it and buy it or whatever. But there's this beautiful line. I don't know if you've ever seen Coco, the movie, Disney movie. And uh, this guy, um, he's an amazing songwriter. And he tells his family, and it becomes famous. It becomes the most famous song ever. And he tells his family, I didn't write that song for the world. I wrote it for my daughter. And as a doing a re- repeat here, I have a three-year-old, almost four. I can connect with that. I love her. I love seeing her smile. Seeing her smile is almost better than uh, anything that I can do for myself. So I don't want to be important anymore. I'm over that. I hope. I know every day is a struggle, but I, I want to get over that. Then Jesus says, who are you giving to that's going to pay you back? I think every person that I interact with in some way can pay me back. Kids were retirement plans before we had 401ks. We had children so that they would take care of us when we were old. Now it's kind of like, now they're probably going to be off in some other state, some other country, probably won't, you know, they're not going to take care of me, so I need a 401k. But who can I, who can I give to, who can I love that's not going to be able to pay me back? That's what Jesus is saying. Think about that. That's a hard party to create. <clears throat> then he says, are you humble? And are you blessed? Some of us have lives that are racked with anxiety, depression, fear, shame, guilt. 
He wants us to have these blessed lives. And now we get into part two. Because uh, some guy in the party, and there's always a loud mouth, opens, opens up and says, oh, you want to talk about blessings? I'll tell you who's blessed. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 through 24. The parable of the great banquet. <clears throat> he says, Jesus had just finished saying, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then he goes on to say, someone says, <clears throat> when one of those at the, at the table uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. Just trying to keep you awake. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So the whole point of all of that we just read, the whole um, parable and the experience at the dinner party is this last uh, verse. It says, <clears throat> I tell you, no, no, right before the last verse. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. God, one of God's favorite words is full. It's all over the place. In fact, we're going to use this backpack as a metaphor for your life, and we're going to ask ourselves, what should my life be full with? What should it be full of? Well, most important is your uh, Connect card that you got when you walked in, but some other things as well. Um, there's some great scripture that I want to share with you in the future when I get a, one of these that doesn't fall down. Okay, Genesis one twenty eight. God's first command to his people, to Adam and Eve, is be fruitful and multiply. Go fill the earth. What are we supposed to fill it with? Buildings, smoke, pollution, cars. What are we supposed to fill the earth with? People. So I give you permission to go make babies. Uh, some of you, maybe you can't make a baby. That was my wife and I, we, we couldn't have, we thought after our first child, she's now 20, we thought we couldn't have any more kids. So it was um, hope uh, on a train and, and there was a train wreck and our hopes were dashed and we were crushed for many years. And this was like, like every month, maybe, maybe, no. It was very painful. You want to fill the earth. It's in our, it's in our spiritual DNA. We want to fill the earth. And then you think, well, there's other ways to fill. You know, there's... Um, Maybe we could sponsor a child. So we sponsored a child, in, uh, a compassion child in Indonesia. Um, when our daughter was about seven or eight years old, we got her a sister, international sister. And uh, we even said to our, our daughter um, when she was 15, why don't you go visit 
your sister in Indonesia. So our daughter raised five grand, and she went over to Indonesia, and she visited Dita. And we write Dita still now. She's like my, she's like my second daughter, and I hope one day I get to meet her and she comes live with us. Um, so maybe you could write a compassion letter, uh, sponsor a child. Maybe that's a way to fill the earth. Or maybe, um, maybe you could have a foster kid in your home. There's, there's, there's different ways to fill the earth. So that's Genesis 1.28. Habakkuk 2.14 the earth is full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So in your life, your life should be full of the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. How many scripture verses do you have memorized? Can you recount Bible stories? How much of God's will and passion are filling your mind and your heart, filling your life? Luke 4.1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the desert. Ephesians 3.19, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And if you read in Ephesians about the armor of God, you're supposed to put on the full armor of God, not just parts of it. A lot of us are walking around with the helmet on, and it's kind of weird. Uh, if you've ever seen someone with a bike helmet walk into, a, you know, just like a coffee shop, you're like, that's weird. But that's me. I, I cycle. But um, so you need the whole armor of God. You need the sword. You need the word. You need the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Colossians 2, 9, and 10. In Christ, all the fullness of God dwells. So your backpack of life should be full. It shouldn't be empty. I wonder how you're feeling right now this morning. If you're feeling like it's half empty, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be full. It's not supposed to be your best life now. It's supposed to be your fullest life now. It's supposed to be the fullness of God. It's supposed to be the fullness of His glory. Whether that feels like it's your best life or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God is glorified and uh, in filling you. You know, it's interesting that um, in Matthew chapter 22, there's another version of this parable and uh, it, it reads, uh, the ending reads like this. But when the king came in to see the guests, same story, when he came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You've got to have wedding clothes. You've got to have a backpack. Those are your wedding clothes, a full life. What, is, what does a full life look like? A backpack in its fullest capacity. Well, I have a picture for you of what it should look like. That's a backpack. That's my son on top of another guy. Yeah, my son is black. He adopted us when he was 15. That's uh, Calvin. Some of you might know him. He went to Phoenixville High School. But that's a backpack. That's what your life should look like. <laughs> now, the kid who's carrying him, you know, he's smaller than my son Calvin, but yet they're having a blast. They're in the mud. They're... Your life should be full of people. That's what it's all about. Yes, we should be good stewards with our money, but your money is to bless people. It's all about people. The kingdom of God is all about people. And I was thinking about... Um, you know, Calvin is my backpack, and my kids is my backpack, and, and I was thinking about Christ. What was his backpack? I think we can imagine 
the rugged cross on his back as his backpack. The world on his back. So, I want to encourage you this morning that to get a backpack <laughs> uh, and to get it, get it full. So what would that look like? And, and I've been invited here to encourage you and to challenge you and to let you know about what's going on in the county because God has a heart. This is not really something I signed up for, but God said, this is what I'm passionate about. This is my heart. Will you follow me? And I am. I'm on board. I'm excited about what God's excited about. One of the things that God likes to fill is homes. In Psalm 68, 5 through 6, it says that he is the father to the fatherless. I know this to be true as well because when I was six, my dad died, so I was without a father. Um, thank God for people like Bob DeRicco and Jackson Crum who were able to, to be father figures in my life. Um, but he's also the defender of widows, and he is a God, and this is God in his holy dwelling. God, it says, sets the lonely in families. So right now, there are 38 teenagers in Chester County who are living in a facility and need a home. Foster kids are already six times more likely to end up in the criminal system than an average kid. If in a facility, it's even worse. The county has a strategy. It's not just the county. I think it's, I think it's nationwide. The research has been done that, that um, facilities don't work. The home is what works. A few years ago, um, well, I want to encourage you to get a mission statement for your life, and I always was thinking of what should mine be. And uh, a few years ago, God put on my heart, make hope tangible. And so I thought, well, I'm really in, I'm, a, I'm kind of a geek, and I, I'm really into board games, so I'll make a board game. And uh, there's nothing more tangible than a board game, and I'll call it Hope City, and teach people about hope through board games. And I did that thing. And then after that was all over, God said to me, you know, there's something more tangible than any product you could make. A home. Home is the most tangible form of hope. These 38 kids, these 38 teenagers need a place of hope. They need a home. They need a Christian home. I told the county I'm only going to churches uh, because this is, this is the people that I know that uh, have a support system and that have a heart that really care. And I feel safe taking one of these 38 and saying, hey, this is a home where you're going to thrive and you're going to be loved. Church, this used to be your thing. Before the county got involved, the church was the one that took care of the orphans and the widows. Somehow that got reversed. I need to study what happened there. Maybe there was just too many. I don't know. But if you look at Chester County, there are 400 or more churches in Chester County. Uh, there are about 200 kids that come through the foster care system every year. If, one, if, if every church brought in one child, there would be no more foster kids without homes. The church could do it. And that goes for across the nation. It's not just Chester County. The church could love all of these kids. Just one family, one kid per church, and we could, we could see that miracle happen. God can fill homes. Speaking of filling homes, so I prayed this prayer maybe a few years ago as well. I was like, God, um, can you fill my life? Can you fill? Um, I just, I feel like it should be fuller. I know you're passionate about filling things, and I want my life to be full. So we moved into a new home in Phoenixville, and immediately we had the vision of, let's finish the basement, let's create another room so we can have another person. 
So currently, we're going to have uh, two Chinese students from Delaware County who are going to be living with us again this year. We had them last year. Uh, so we have two international students, and uh, we also have a lady who was struggling in life, um, and was, it's really hard. I don't know if you know this, but it's really hard to find affordable rent in Phoenixville. Prices are going up. So um, if anyone can open up their home to a widow or to, to, a, to the elderly, they are also uh, in need. So we have... Um, uh, a lady, and I guess she's in her late 60s, and she works part-time, but she's living with us as well. And uh, we're maxed out. My daughter, my three-year-old lives, you know, she sleeps like, you know, 20 feet across from me. Uh, and so we're, we're full. And I'm thinking, man, I, I don't know, how can we be more full? And I met a lady this past weekend. She had um, fostered 50 kids in the last 25 years. And she was talking about how her husband, yeah, we got, we see this room, we just thought maybe if we put some drywall here, we could separate it into two rooms. I'm like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> maybe I could go down to my basement and put up some drywall. I was, I was trying to figure out how to get more people in my house. Um, rack your brain, pray to God, how can my life be more full? How can my schedule be more full? How can my car be more full? You should be carpooling. You shouldn't have a giant SUV and you're driving it all by yourself. Uh, no, you should have like seven people in that SUV. You should be full. Your life should be full. So, uh, Hopetown, I'm going to show the logo here so you know what it looks like. I want you to uh, not like us so we can be important, but so you can follow up uh, what's going on so we can see that 38. I put that number 38 on my business card because I only got 100 printed so that when when the kids get homes, then we can drop that number down. But uh, you can get involved with Hopetown. You don't have to bring a a teenager into your home. You could bring just a a baby, a toddler, any age kid into your home. Um, But so you know more about what's going on in Chester County, you can find us on Facebook. We're Hopetown PA. And... um, we're having a breakfast Saturday, July 21st. There's three families here in, G- in, in GVF already who are interested. Two have gone to an orientation meeting, and they're saying, I, I want to have a person in, in our lives. And you all, with Stephanie Gaiman and, and, and the pastor and other people, you have created an awesome support system for these families. So they feel like they feel like they're ready because of your love and your support. Um, so with that's an incredible... I can't say this enough. That is an incredible thing that you all are doing because other churches have a lot of foster kids but no support system in place and they feel overwhelmed. So your role, even if you don't have kids in your home, is support and love and prayer uh, and those kind of things. So get in touch with Stephanie Gaiman if you haven't already to be on that team. And um, so that this breakfast on July 21st, we're going to meet at 827 because uh, James 127 is that the true religion is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. So we're meeting at 827 on the 21st at Franklin Commons where Ironworks Church is, uh, and you're, you're invited. We want to have a small gathering, so please respond. Um, we're going to share our hopes and fears and pray together. So where do we go from here? I'm just going to pray for you. And the worship team's going to come up, and I want you to ask God, will you fill my life? Will it be full? Can I be passionate about the things that you're passionate about? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it says that you fill all things, um, that the earth is full of your glory. And we want our, this church here to be full. We want um, Phoenixville to be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We want homes to be filled. We want cars to be filled, schedules to be filled. We want your fullness, God. We want more of you and what you're doing 
in and through people. There's nothing more fascinating than Jesus Christ, nothing more exciting than you transforming lives. And we want to be a part of it, God. We don't want any more boring lives. We don't want to do, you know, another nine uh, in golf. We don't want to, you know, get another hobby, collect more things. We want to see transformed lives. Christ, we want to see you glorified. And we pray that you would fill us with you. In Jesus' name.